This week on Writers Inc. In general, I think it's a good, it's a great time for readers right now. There are because there has been a flowering of so many ways to get great stories from writers. Uh, uh, traditional publishers, audiobooks are, you know, just have exploded. Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business. Editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author J.D. Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out. School's in session. This is Writer's Inc. Hey, JD. How you doing, man? Hey, how are you? Oh, awesome. I'm excited for our uh, this special episode that, that we're doing today. Yeah, we've got Meg Gardner um, on, the, on the podcast today, which is fantastic. She's got a new book coming out. Um, it by the time people hear this, it came out on Tuesday, uh, called The Dark Corners of the Night. It's her third book in the Unsub series, um, which is absolutely fantastic. It's, it's one of my all-time favorite thriller series out there. Um, and, and she's a great writer, too. I mean, she's one of those that she grabs you from that first paragraph, and it's really hard to put that book down until you finish it. Uh, if you pick up any, any of her books, you'll, you'll see exactly why. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I, I don't know if our listeners know, but uh, Unsub is the is the label that the FBI uses for unsolved uh, crimes and, and suspects. And, uh, and she has built the series off of real life uh, investigations. So it's, it's fascinating. Uh, it's gripping. And, um, and when we had the ability to, to, or, you know, got the opportunity to have her on the show, we were like, yeah, we, <laughs> we definitely have to make this happen. So, uh, you know, that's why there's a little bit of uh, shifting in the schedule, but I, I think it'll be very worthwhile. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, great. Well, uh, let's let's uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into the interview with Meg, and, uh, and then we'll come back on the flip side and talk about some of the takeaways. Okay, Meg Gardner. What's the latest on Dark Corners? What's what's going on right now? You've had a lot of breaking news recently. Well, Dark Corners of the Night was uh, published February 18th, which was uh, it's just like right now, <laughs> and I'm extremely excited about that. So the book is out uh, in hardcover, audio, and uh, digital, and also Amazon Studios has bought it for development as a television series. So that is also a real exciting uh, development that I'm really crowing about. Yeah, that is fantastic. Congratulations on, on both of those. Uh, can you, can you, um, whatever you're at liberty to say, what, what's your involvement going to be with the, with Amazon? I am attached as a producer, which means I will be involved, but I'm not going to, uh, run the writer's room. The executive producer and showrunner is Lawrence Trilling, who currently, uh, show runs and produces Goliath for Amazon with uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Right. So uh, I trust ex in everything he's doing because I love his work. I'm really excited with uh, what he's got in mind for, uh, for doing for the show, uh, turning unsub into a, an hour long television drama seems perfect to me. I'm 
delighted and excited about the idea that the characters that I've created and that readers know will now get a, a, a different lease on life as, uh, as uh, people that uh, you can see on the screen. Yeah, that is fantastic. And am I correct in that uh, CBS had unsub for a while? CBS initially did, and now it is moving to Amazon, which is uh, excellent in my view because they can let the book breathe as a series and really go into uh, the the, you know a novelistic approach to uh, to to producing it. So it's I'm I'm grinning here from ear to ear. (laughs) Yeah, and you know it seems as though. Amazon and Hulu, but more so Amazon is really making a go at Netflix in certain genres. Do you think? Uh, do you think your book might be one of those genres that they're they're trying to um, you know compete with Amazon at? Um, I hope so. That uh, you know uh, Amazon is doing great work with. Uh, they've got Bosch, you know, uh, based on the Michael Connelly mm-hmm. series. Uh, they've got you know, Jack Ryan. They are doing an excellent job of producing really high quality, exciting series uh, that comes from thrillers uh, and thriller series. So I think it's going to be a, a great home for the book and the, and the entire Unsub series. It should be. And it, and it really appears as though based on the on the number of those shows you just mentioned, that Amazon's really putting some money behind these shows too, which is great. Yeah, <laughs> it's not going to be filmed in uh, somebody's garage in front of a drop sheet. It's going to be it's going to be really on 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 a on a set with actors and uh, and uh, and everything that you could ask for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this might be more uh, tangentially related to uh, your genre, but uh, it, it seems as though you know the popularity of true crime, whether it's on podcasts or on um, on Netflix or other streaming services seems to be maybe at an all-time high. Do, do you think, um, or, or how does that influence, you know, fiction thriller writers in 2020? We are fascinated by true crime, and it is uh, at a very high point at the moment. I think we are really curious to see what is at the bottom of these infamous cases to understand what what led to them and to know how the the people who investigate them uh, really managed to try to uh, put the bad guys away. The unsub series of novels is actually, all the novels are loosely based on famous unsub cases, unsub standing for unknown subject. You know, that's the FBI term for the unknown bad guy that they are trying to apprehend. So yeah, these are all, have a kernel of fact in infamous cases. The and the, the first novel uh, was sparked by the Zodiac, the second by Ted Bundy, and the Dark Corners of the Night by the Night Stalker, which are all cases that unsettled me, made me try to desperately understand uh, what led people to do this and how the authorities, if they ever had, managed to try to bring the perpetrators to justice. So uh, it's a way to let us all get a glimpse at the dark side, but uh, because it's fiction, do it fairly safely. Yes, yes. Did you uh, do any criminal law when you practiced? 
I did not. I was in commercial litigation. So it was all civil, all business cases. The only kind of sketchy people I ever dealt with were my fellow lawyers. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I could draw on that. (laughs) All right, we won't go there. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of sketchy things, I'm wondering if... Um, you've been cleared uh, uh, of all charges from the Austin Police Department yet. (laughs) (laughs) I was almost immediately. You're talking about the day I uh, requested to ride along with the Austin Police Department and they emailed me back saying that they could not approve my request because of my criminal record. That's correct. And they said, "If if you want to check this out, come down to headquarters. And before I even got to the end of that sentence in the email, I was in the car screeching. <laughs> I thought someone had stolen my identity. I did not, I still do not know exactly what happens, but I found out that when you come to check criminal records and you walk in saying, I want to see my criminal records, they glower and take your fingerprints and point and sternly say, sit here. And they go back into the records room. And then the, the guy came back out 90 seconds later and his face was completely different. And then he said, ma'am, you don't have a criminal record. (laughs) I was extremely relaxed, relieved and relaxed at that point and noticed that he did suddenly add the man once he had (laughs) found that I wasn't wasn't a crook. But uh, they they had confused my name with someone else when they typed it into the computer, I think, and uh, didn't want to even take a chance. But as soon as I proved to them, I, I asked them to write down Give me some written evidence to, uh, to to take back to the department. He tore a piece of binder paper out of a notebook and uh, scribbled no criminal record by date of birth or social security number or driver's license. And then he put a, put a rubber stamp on it. So I took that down to the front desk and they said, OK, you can ride along. Come down tomorrow morning at 530. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any chance that scene's going to make it into a, a novel someday? I would love it to. You never know. You got to be careful with writers. You know, you however you interact with us, we remember. Yes. <laughs> Probably have his badge number and everything, right? <laughs> well, I can't. I can't reveal that. Okay. Uh, were you living in Austin, or were you still living in London when you were uh, trying to do the ride along? That no, I was living in Austin, which is uh, why I why I picked that department. But I did live in London for many years. I am. Basically, a Southern Californian uh, grew up in Santa Barbara, but uh, my husband was offered a job in London when our kids were small, so we packed them all up and uh, moved to the UK, which was absolutely the best decision we could have made. A wonderful chance to uh, see another part of the world, learn another culture, and um, get a broader view on the world, which uh, has influenced my writing as well as my life, I think. But, you know, a few years ago, uh, we needed to get back to the States, and Austin was a great place to land, so we're enjoying it very much. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard great things about Austin. Uh, so were you in London then when, uh, when, when your name appeared in Stephen King's column in Entertainment Weekly? I was living there. I was actually on a plane in the United States when the, uh, the edition of the magazine came out. And if anybody was at Dulles Airport, um, the day that it was published and saw the insane, crazy woman racing through the terminal, <laughs> scooping up every single copy <laughs> that was there. I apologize. <laughs> so. uh, that was, that must've been such a moment. I mean, can, can you just give us a little glimpse into, you know, what was, what was going through your head when you read that? 
I was just blown away, gobsmacked, as the as the Brits would say. I had been working for years and years to to, to learn how to write a novel, to write a, a an unpublishable novel, then to finally write a publishable novel. I got it published in the UK and was absolutely thrilled. U.S. publishers were not interested at all in that novel initially or the next four that I wrote, which was um, frustrating, but I couldn't really complain because, you know, I could see it in print in, uh, in, in a lot of countries, just not here at home. And Stephen King uh, found a copy of my first novel, China Lake, and uh, liked it and liked it enough that he told people that they should find it and read it and read my other novels, which was just stunning and showed me the, um, the worth of always being generous to other people. He is just such a champion of other writers, artists, musicians, that it's really powerful and uh, amazing that he can use his stature to, to pay it forward. So anyway, he wrote a column for Entertainment Weekly telling people to find my books. And strangely, you know what, after years of U.S. publishers being uninterested, within 48 hours, 14 of them had changed their minds and (laughs) wanted to talk to me. 14. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. So the lesson is perseverance. You you have to persevere. And if, uh, if when opportunity knocks, be ready to open the door. (laughs) Yes. Do you have any idea how he came across your book? I do. Uh, we were published by the same British publisher, Hodder and Sutton, and they, of course, would send him literal boxes full of the new books that they were publishing just so that he would have them and possibly read one of them someday. And he had put them all in his closet, these boxes and boxes of books. But he was about to get on a, a long-haul flight to England, and he needed something to read. So he opened up one of the boxes, and he pulled out China Lake, and I would love to tell you that he read the first paragraph and was overcome with the beauty of the prose and the gripping story, but apparently, actually, he thought, hmm, the print is nice and big, and it's not going to strain my eyes on an airplane. (laughs) (laughs) So he stuffed it in his carry-on and took it and read it, which is why I will never, ever complain about being called an airplane read. No, not in that circumstance. Not at all. That's awesome. Uh, so you've had some brushes with a couple of American icons. Uh, I have to ask you what Alex Trebek is like. Alex Trebek is a darling, I have to say. I, you, you're referencing the fact that I was uh, on Jeopardy a number of years ago, and I am a three-time champion. Mm-hmm. Alex Trebek uh, is personable, um, soothing to all the contestants. He really wants you to do well and uh, have a good time and make a great, you know, a, a great competition. Uh, he, you can tell that if the, you know, a clue was read and nobody responded, that kind of irked him a little bit because <laughs> the writers had worked so hard and he was presuming that we should all be able to at least give a shot at some of these questions. But when they call it a stand and stare, if he reads what they, if, you know, if he reads the answer and and. Everybody just gapes at the board and doesn't doesn't buzz in. So we we felt we felt his um, disapproval and tried to do better. <laughs> I love stand and stare. What a great phrase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so I, uh, I, I was, I, I, uh, you know, just blown away by the fact that you're, you know, a Jeopardy champion as well, and was wondering about your, uh, your degree. I believe you have a degree in economics, and I'm curious now as, um, as a as a writer, and and in some ways having your own business. Uh, how has that helped or, or not helped in what you're in your current career? The degree helped me just because I, I it was a completely new subject when I started college. I had never taken a single econ class in high school. It wasn't even offered, and I was just fascinated to learn uh, how a different I see a different side of how the world worked. And I took a lot. It would actually taught me a lot of American history. I took a lot of classes that, you know, covered American economic history and really uh, showed me the scope uh, and passion and ambition of so many people that have helped uh, make the country. I, I loved studying it. And uh, I realized that even though I wasn't studying creative writing as a, as a degree, that it was, it was teaching me how to up my intellectual game. So is that a, is that a smart sounding enough answer for you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's that's fantastic. Uh, so these days, I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure you're, you know, if you're like me, you don't remember too much from college. But um, you know, these days, where where do you get um, your business advice, or or how do you make business decisions in 2020? Uh, just in, in in general in in my life, aside from conferring with my husband and uh, <laughs> hoping hoping to find a, a an honest financial <laughs> advisor, but professionally in writing, uh, I I speak extensively, of course, to to my agent uh, Shane Salerno at Story Factory as far as as career planning, uh, as far as looking ahead, as far as the the work I will do. Uh, to to continue make it a a, a sustainable career uh, in general writers I mean we are we're self employed uh, as far as the writing that we're doing if we're writing fiction right and uh, it it's really important to if you if you are specifically if you're looking for an agent or concerned about anything there are so many resources online, uh, sites and, and organizations, Mystery Writers of America. I will plug that because I am the president of Mystery Writers of America. They have, you know, they have uh, columns on, on on legal advice for writers, everything from from copyright to uh, to contracts. So it's about educating yourself as far as uh, that kind of nitty gritty and kind of keeping um, a wise eye on, um, on, on where the, the strengths and weaknesses of publishing as a business are, which it can be very hard to see, but, but just keeping your ear to the ground and kind of uh, seeing whether, what, what's, where is the industry healthy and where, where do you need to, uh, to, to take a step back? Yes, yes, great. Uh, related question, and I think this will be a, a good way to kind of bring a conver- our conversation to a close. Uh, I'm curious, given your position and your experience and the great things that are happening for you now, where do you think the publishing industry in general is headed in the next, say, five or ten years? Nobody knows if they because if they, if they did, we'd all be scrambling on that train. <laughs> you know, that that that's a facile answer, but. Uh, in general, I think it's a good, it's a great time for readers right now. 
there are because there has been a flowering of so many ways to get great stories from writers uh uh, traditional publishers, audiobooks are, you know, just have exploded, digital uh, publications. And now that there is a ways for people to publish their own work themselves, if they want to, then that's up, opened up markets and great stories that might not have found a mainstream audience. So if you, if you are a fan of niche or out there or experimental fiction, you can now find it. And as a writer, you can do whatever you want. You do need to still focus on the writing. That's the thing. Uh, nobody knows what is going to be the next big thing. And, and I always tell people, don't chase trends. Write uh, what speaks to your heart and sets your pulse racing with the, the passion to get it out, get it done. And you, you do that, and I think that's that's going to be your true north, and uh, the rest hopefully will follow. Wow, that sounds like a really sensible path. I agree. Good. There's, there's not any single path. There are plenty out there, and you can forge them yourself. There was Meg Gardner. Uh, what'd you think, man? All right. First of all, I, I didn't know she was a lawyer. Um, had no clue that she was a three-time Jeopardy champion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that says a lot all by itself. And, and she's a career criminal in the eyes of the just uh, the Austin police. Yes. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you ever done that? Have you ever done a uh, um, a, a drive with one of those with a, a police force? No, I I, I went. Uh, I spent a day at a firehouse one time and uh, okay. hung out with the guys. I didn't ride on the truck, but I hung out in the in the firehouse, but not a police department. Have you ever done a ride along? Yeah, I've done them a couple of times. I, I did it in um, in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I was actually when when they first started filming Cops, I was actually part of that like, years and years and years ago. Um, they would sit Fort Lauderdale was one of their favorite places to go. And, and they would have teams of anywhere from 10 to 20 um, film crews running around with, with cops in the, the cars. And I was actually one of the guys that ran around, you know, as part of that, that process when Fox was first starting out. Um, and yeah, we had a lot of fun doing that. So I actually saw a lot. And I think that really helped me later on with, with this career. Um, but then I also did it in Boston, um, just a regular ride along. And I tried to do it out here on the Island where I live, but like there's, there's two cops and there's <laughs> like, there's literally no crime. Um, they're, they're sitting they're in the like, library parking lot yeah, or something. <laughs> that, that's exactly what they're doing. They're, they're doing that. They're trying to catch uh, speeders because the, the speed on the Island is like 20. So it drops from like 30 to 20, like really fast. Um, so that, that's like all they do, you know, <laughs> a, I mean, it's a great, great place to live, but very boring if you, if you're trying to find some kind of crime. Um, and it's funny too, that like she mentioned that unsub was with CBS and, and now she's with Amazon and, and fourth monkey was with CBS. And now we're talking to one of the streaming services. So oh. it, <laughs> I, I need to sit down and talk to her about CBS and just kind of see what <laughs> happened there. See if our, our stories are similar. Yeah. Um, and she, she mentioned what she's doing and that's actually a question that I get quite a bit. Um, you know, authors typically, you know, and it's, this seems to be the thing they're, they're not really involved in the, the production itself. So when your book gets optioned for, for something like this, for the most part, you know, these production companies tend to keep the author at, at a distance. Um, a lot of us get tagged as executive producers, um, which, which is nice. Um, but they've they've got such a machine in place. You know, you've got they've got their showrunner. They've got that that showrunner likes to work with particular writers. Um, that group likes to work with particular directors, and and that you know as a as a whole, they all work very well together. So like they don't want the author really in there, you know, kind of going, hey, but this should happen or that should happen or you know, because it, it just it slows the whole machine down. And there's so many moving parts. Um, and, and frankly, like one of the things that I'm really seeing is a lot of the television networks, they seem to be taking a backseat to the streaming services. 
um, not just in the, the products they, that they get, but the quality of what they put out. Um, you know, like an Amazon show, a Netflix show, an HBO show, to me, those feel, they feel almost like mini movies um, versus the, you know, the stuff that you see on network television. And it makes me wonder where that's going as an industry in the next couple of years. I think either the networks are going to have to step it up um, if they want to compete or, or they might, you know, end up in a real problem situation. Yeah, I, I just finished binging uh, The Stranger, Harlan Coben's uh, new show on, on Netflix. And I don't know if you know anything about uh, what he did with that, but it seemed like he was pretty involved in that show. Yeah, and he's probably the, um, he, he's kind of like the opposite of everything that I just said. <laughs> um, and, and it's mainly because he wants to be. Um, he's, he's got a production company. He works very closely with all these different people. Um, and he's making a lot of these th different things happen. And he's, he's got a number of shows that are, that are in the works now because he's so hands-on with it. Um, and he enjoys that. I mean, for me personally, like, I don't, I don't like the idea of giving up that control. Like I, I like being able to sit down at my computer every day and just write the next book and not, not have to worry about all these different moving parts. Um, but he's, he seems to enjoy it. And he, he is one of the few, there's, there's only a handful of authors out there that actually take on that, that kind of hands-on approach to it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I, I also wanted to mention, I, I, one of the things I was, I've been thinking about since I talked to Meg, it, it I mean, obviously, we all can't hope that Stephen King puts our name in a column in Entertainment Weekly, uh, as it happened to her. <laughs> but um, I, something she said really kind of stuck with me, and, and I think it's a great takeaway for, for anyone who's listening, which is you have to be ready for opportunity. Uh, uh, like, there's certain things you can plan and certain things you can't, but if you're not open to opportunity, you might miss out. And, and uh, it, it seemed like she was, you know, once that sort of, thing exploded and she ran through the airport, you know, buying all the copies of the magazine that she could, she was then ready to, to take immediate action and to get to work. And, uh, and I thought that was admirable. And, and something that, like I said, really kind of stuck with me. Well, she's, she's got a good marketing head, you know, a lot, a lot of authors don't. And like, if you go to, you know, her Amazon page for her latest book, you know, she's got graphics with that Stephen King blurb up there. She's got them for other authors, you know, like Don Winslow and other people that have weighed in. Um, she's quick to get those things out there and, and you need to. Um, I know so many, you know, it's so hard to get a blurb in the first place. So if somebody like Stephen King is going to just hand you one like that, you know, first of all, that it says a lot about her talent, you know, the fact that he was willing to, to do that. But, you know, if you've got that in front of you yeah, and you don't take advantage of it in some way, you don't use that message to, to sell some books, um, you're doing yourself a disservice. You know, there, there's there's ways to do that. And I've seen so many authors, they get a, a fantastic blurb out of somebody. It goes on that one book cover and it's not used anywhere else. You know, it just kind of vanishes and disappears. Um, you know, one of the things that I tend to do is, you know, because blurbs are very difficult. I mean, you're asking an author to go out there and, and take hours out of their, their life to read your book and then weigh in on that, you know, basically put their stamp of approval on it. So now their name is attached to it. I mean, that's a big ask yes. for anybody. Um, and I, when I talk to a lot of these authors now, I, I tend to ask for blurbs on my actual writing, you know, rather than something that's book specific, you know, well, how about you give me something that's just related to the writing style, like something that I can use, you know, on multiple books. And this way I can just, I can leave you alone. I won't have to bug yeah. you again. Um, and a lot of them will do that because they, you know, they understand it's a necessary evil in this business, you know, not only asking for those blurs, but also providing them, Right. you know, both, both sides of that. Nobody necessarily wants to do it, but it's something that needs to happen in order to keep the, the entire industry moving forward. Um, so everybody, everybody does. So, yeah. So when something like that happens, be ready to, you know, look at it and go, okay, well, you know, how can I use this? How is it going to help me and, and, and where can it benefit? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Meg was delightful, great person. I mean, very open and she, she's crazy busy right now with the release of the book and the Amazon deal. So it was, uh, it was really gracious of her to, 
come on the show and spend some time with us. So I was, I was thrilled about that. Yeah. I appreciate her taking the time. I know how hectic this week probably is for her. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be back on, uh, on, on a regular publication day with episode 14. And that is going to be with the lovely Mercedes Yardley, also known as Miss Murder. Uh, I, I think I've run into her a couple of times at the at StokerCon at the Horror Writers Convention, um, but um, she's I, I checked out a couple of her books in the meantime, and she, she's a fantastic author. She's um, and she's got an inspirational story too. Yeah, so uh, really looking forward to that. It's going to be a great conversation, and uh, we'll be bringing that to everyone on Monday. So I guess because this is a special episode, I can tell you, hey man, have a great weekend, and I'll see you back here on Monday. <laughs> All right, you too. Take Bye. care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers, Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.